Thank you, my brother. Well done. By far best props so far. Romans chapter 13, we have in our journey made it to the first couple verses of the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. As we look at a could be challenging, could be interpreted as difficult subject, but it is in the Word of God, and we look forward to hearing from him this morning. Welcome every one of you to Big Woods Bible Church. What a delight it is to be led before the throne room of grace in song, in prayer, and now a time from the Word. Before we get into this, I, I do just want to briefly comment and commend you as a body of believers, as you know, over the last couple months, we have been ministering to um, a Ukrainian family um, who have arrived safely in Washington State. And I, I wanted to share something with you by way of a testimony of your faithfulness. Wendy and I were able to sit with um, the Yemen Nilyov family this past Sunday over lunch. Alina was there to translate, and I'm thankful for her gifts. And in one of the conversations, they, they wanted to express gratitude for the love that they have felt. And I asked them about that. This is their response. I will not say it in Russian, but through Alina's translation, it was made very clear that they said this, and I quote, we have not felt this kind of love since we were babies and young children and our mothers loved us this way. That, that's a description of the love that you have shown to this dear family who left a ravaged and a war-torn home with nothing. And I commend you. There was sacrifice and hard work on many, many people's part. And so I just wanted to share that with you. What a testimony and how proud as your pastor to hear that testimony of your love and your sacrifice. So thank you for that. And I commend you. Well done. Well done. Would you bow with me and pray as we commit our time this morning to the Lord. <clears throat> Lord, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity that in your grace you have granted us another day. And in this day we have gathered in your house to sing of your greatness and of your glory and to open up your word and to hear it. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would give to me the right words. We need wisdom from above as we learn how to move and maneuver our way through very difficult times. We do pray for those in authority. We would be faithful, Lord, please, that we would remember to lift them up regularly as they have great responsibilities. And we thank you, Lord, ultimately, that you are the one who, who sets people on thrones and removes people from thrones and we trust you may you be glorified may you if you've given us ears to hear may we hear from you this morning help us help me we ask this in the amazing wonderful matchless name of jesus amen and amen 
many, many occasions we have gathered, I'm sure, as family members around tables, and we've always heard that there's two subjects that we're just not going to talk about. One is religion, and one is politics. We're not going to talk about one of those today. We're actually going to deal with both subjects. So today, remember, Book of Romans, we kind of build out basic theology, doctrine, what we believe on the specifics of our salvation, justification, sanctification, the role of the Holy Spirit, God's unending love that we've seen enabling us to live certain ways, to love one another, to care and to give and to edify, build up the body within the context of the local church, all for the glory of God alone. We've talked recently about how that moves out into our community and into our culture, knowing full well that what? We live in a dark and an evil world. And there's no need to re-examine recent horrors. But we've been reminded, what? Never under any circumstance do we take vengeance into our own hands. Do not ever repay evil for evil. And so we ask this question, is there and can there be justice? You don't have to go too far in life, as Matt just described appropriately, without bumping into what? Authority, government, local, municipal, state, federal. There's rules and there's laws and there's statutes and regulations. And I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like there's more rules now than there's ever been before. So what, what, what do we do? How are we to live, serve, obey God first while still living and functioning in submission to the government as good, godly citizens. This is the exact subject that Paul knew we needed to learn about. And remember the context that he's writing in. However big and bad you think it is right now, the setting that the author writes was far worse. Let me direct your attention to the first three verses of Romans chapter 13. I'll read them. I was listening just this past week. My son-in-law Ben was preaching out in Kansas and he said this. Do, do you want to have God speak to you? Then read your Bible. But if you want to hear God speak audibly to you, then read your Bible out loud. And that's what we're going to do. Romans chapter 13 verses 1, 2, and 3. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Period. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. The word of the Lord. Point number one. There's only two points today. Number one, here it is. We live we are to live in submission to government authority. Let every person be subject to governing authorities. Now, the Bible 
never says anything about how governments should be formed. Now, historically, there's basically three options. There's what? A, military conquest. There's B, inheritance. Or C, democratic agreement. In fact, if you'll see throughout Scripture, God has employed several structures, from the patriarchs to the judges to the kings, even the kahal, the assemblies, while in exile. So there's no one particular system that is sacred. We can all look around us and we can all see the blessing and the benefit of a democratic republic by which we live in. But we know there's a lot of factors here. Even the government we have still depends upon what? The right political culture, respect of law, respect of honesty, trust towards one another, the ability to negotiate and persuade, compromise, the ability to lose votes and still submit to the system. Jonathan Lehman writes a great book on this very subject called How the Nations Rage. And we know that what the system that we have to live in as faithful, obedient citizens and also followers of Jesus, this is hard to do. Winston Churchill was quite right when he said, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other ones that have already been tried. So remember this. In a fallen world that we live in, there is no perfect government system. There is no perfect government system. This is what we have and this is what we will work with. Back to what? The end of Romans chapter 12. The reason that we can and should avoid enacting justice for the evil that abounds is by knowing what? God ultimately is just. That God is fair and he will execute perfect, perfect future judgment and justice. God will enact perfect future justice for everything. And this is not in an angry way. This is God. In his love. This is a precursor as R.C. Sproul would say. For the subject at hand today. And it's about civil government. And as long as we hear that. As soon as we hear that. There's a lot of like eye rolling that goes on. Like yeah this is, this is, go, this is fun. But it is God. Who is the ultimate and final authority. Who has ordained authorities over us to carry out present justice. Therefore, from this idea comes the big idea of what we're going to look at actually over the next seven verses. We'll only deal with a couple of them today. Big idea is what? This idea of submission to governing authorities. And it's a lot easier said than done. If you have raised a child, it's a big difference between this is what you should be doing and what they actually do. It's a lot harder than we think. So we, just like Paul, live in a culture that seems, <clears throat> and I wrote this in parentheses, by looking around us, it seems almost, not totally, but almost totally corrupt. It seems almost, what, totally bankrupt at some level. I can have no trust, devoid of righteousness. And that's hard to respect. That's hard to submit to, and it's hard to honor. A man fell upon very, very 
difficult times. And he resorted to the worst. He took a gun and he stuck the pistol in one man's ribs and says, give me all of your money. The man says, you can't rob me. He said, I'm a U.S. congressman. The thief said, well, in that case, give me all of my money then. You know, that we have that in a sense, that's on one hand. And yet on the other hand, we look around us and we are blessed, as I was reminded recently. What? Sprinkled throughout our government are good and godly people. I have sat with United States congressman. Many of you know him. In tears, praying for our country. I know good and godly Government officials who are what? Shining as bright beacons of lights in the dark world. And it's in that context that we have verses like this. All scripture, every part of scripture is profitable for doctrine, proof, correction, and instruction in in righteousness. Why? So that throughout this process, we become, we reflect the image of, of the righteous one. But we do have to say, like, why? Why is, why is this subject so sensitive? Why, why is civil obedience so hard for us? When we see, what, 55? Why is that so difficult? Why is it so difficult to respect authority? We don't have to go very far into the pages of Scripture. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 3, to reveal the fact that we are all sons and daughters of what? Of whom? Adam and Eve. To, to rebel is natural for us. Well, these verses are not exhaustive. They certainly offer much needed guidance and general truths that are most helpful. Why? Because we are creatures of extreme. We, we tend to float to one side or the other. Michael Bird in his book writes on this, the, the importance of balance when it comes to this subject. Why? So, so we don't have on one side, what he would call in over-realized eschatology, what in a sense would say the kingdom is already here, so just ignore Caesar. Ignore the authorities. Or what he would call in under-realized eschatology, the other extreme. The kingdom is not here, so pick up your sword against Caesar. So to avoid the extremes... How do we do this? How do we live faithfully in Christ, yet as good citizens of Rome? Be subject. The word is submit. Hupatasso, we've actually referenced that word on many, many occasions. Ephesians chapter 5, we're very familiar. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is not new, This is really to be in the DNA of what a Christ follower is. We live with a sense of submission. And it's broader than just what? Obey. Just blindly obey. The idea of standing under the government in recognition is understanding what? This actually, look around us, is how God has ordered things. We're to be subject to... Why? Because ultimately, we're subject to God. This, this word is used repeatedly throughout the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2. Be subject for the Lord's sake. 
to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. The emphasis here is where? Where's the emphasis in, in Peter's words? We, what? we do this for the Lord's sake. So think for a moment. Government is here for our good. It's part of God's common grace in our lives to provide justice and safety and order and civility. But it can be very troubling because you look around us and you hear things like what? It's hard to have confidence in governing authorities when there's things like abortion rights that are being pushed and shoved. And things like LGBTQ plus agendas are being forced so relentlessly. While it also seems, we're quite accustomed to in our own society, that it seems like the basic rights, the, the right to just speak freely, the right to religious freedoms, seems to be regularly more and more infringed upon. And let me tell you this, it is no surprise. Get ready for this. The walls are and will continue to be closing in on us. So so understand that. So in a sense, we have to like just, just get it all out there. Let's bring the big question out into the open. The tension here is this. Does this text call us to submit to, to abide by, to justify, to obey evil actions. That's really the pressing matter that everybody wants to talk about. And we will get to that, but just kind of to to tease it out a little bit. Tom Schreiner wrote a great commentary on the book of Romans. He ingeniously entitled it Romans. And he says this, we have an implication here that the ruler powers should be resisted if commands were issued that violated the Lord's will. Let me repeat it. If commands were issued that violated the Lord's will. It is impossible to imagine that one would obey commands that broke God's commands. What is he speaking about here? It's all for the Lord's sake. Keep in mind what Shriner just says. He says that law that violates the Lord's will. That does not mean a law that violates your personal persuasion or your personal preference or even your rights as written in the Constitution, contrary to what people may think. And I was shocked when I read that the Constitution of the United States, as blessed as we are to have the freedom and the common graces that abound, the Constitution is not inspired by God. Okay, the Declaration of Independence is not inspired by, it was written by fallible, fallen men. It is an imperfect system. And I'm not here to just tick people off. Okay, because now we start to get a little bit like, whoa, where are you going with this? But, but my job is to tell you what the Word of God says. And I will do that unapologetically. 
May I remind you that Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 18, verse 36, remember this, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. And he expands upon that. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Our own sinfulness that exists, I'm, I'm thankful. It's hard or horrendous as it may seem. I'm thankful that God's perfect will was established that Jesus Christ was turned over. That Jesus Christ was crucified. That he offered himself willingly to atone for my sin and for your sins. I'm thankful for God's will that poured out even in the midst of that which we would say it's totally, totally wrong. It's totally evil. It is unjust. Now, as stated, what this does not allow for what I would call underrealized eschatology. This does not mean, well, what we're supposed to do then is we just barricade ourselves in, okay, slam in the clip, bullets in and barrels out. No, it's not that, nor, nor, and this is where it begins to sting, nor do we rely upon the government to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us, because it cannot, and it will not do that. I never had the privilege of meeting Grandpa Boger, my father's father. Why, he was killed in battle, defending our freedom as a country in World War II, the Battle of the Bulge, December 1944. I have his Purple Hearts, in my possession, my brother has the flag folded. It was placed over his coffin when his body was shipped home. And I am most grateful for the hero, for those that have sacrificed. But I have to be honest, and, and, and it stings at some level to say, but I have to be honest. There's a lot of kind of flag-flying American Christians that would rather die for America or would be more willing to die for America than to live for Christ. There's, there's a word for that. And it's called idolatry. And you could hear a pin drop. Number one, we are to live in submission to government authority. Number two, we live in submission to government authority because God has ordained it and has given us an opportunity to show others that he is the ultimate authority. The text continues on, for there is no, there, there's no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. We, we are to live in submission to governing authorities because we have been instructed to do so from what? From the one who is in all and above all our final authority. Creator, sustainer, savior of the world. Now in the Old Testament, there's primarily two offices 
for, for those in authority. Two offices for those that had power, if you could use that word. One was the office of the priest, and one was the office of the king. And it strictly forbade the vesting of religious and secular power into the same individual. As a matter of fact, in order to protect against that, to be certain of that, priests came from the tribe of Levi, and kings came from the tribe of Judah. However, there is one. There's only one. Only in Jesus are those two offices combined. Listen to this. Zechariah chapter 6 and verse 13. Listen to this. He shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. Priests don't sit on thrones. Kings sit on thrones. But here we have one. We have only one. Jesus is the solution here. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the only way towards peace and ultimate justice in the chaos and craziness of the world that surrounds us. Barnhouse says, no man of the offspring of Adam is capable of being both civil ruler and priest. History teaches that. To attempt to combine the two has brought tyranny worse than any other tyranny. It's interesting as well that this was written to what? The church in Rome. And you know your history books. Do you understand here why? Begin, like hopefully it begins, like it's beginning to get Clear? Do you understand why Jesus taught, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's? Matthew chapter 22, Mark chapter 12, Luke chapter 20. This is not confusion. There's not two systems of ethics here. There's not two ways to live here. No, no, no. Rather, it's, it's binding us to the highest authority. Daniel chapter 2. Verse 21, he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. It is, it is he, the only one who could ever fulfill both offices, who is teaching us how to live to the highest code of living. This is what offers great hope. In what it may appear to be what? A, a crushing and a hopeless scenario around us. The, the word of God has much to say about the source of authority. Psalm chapter 62 verse 11. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. Repeat it. That power belongs to God. I've heard it, but it's actually been repeated. Why? We need to hear things more than once in order to remember. Power belongs to God. Power exercised by any creature. The power of a king, a president, a mayor, a councilman. The power of a cat to kill a mouse derives originally from 
God. It is him who is working out his great plan. And we hear that, and we put a question mark, great plan? Like, look around you. Look around us. This is the great plan? God knew. God knew from the very beginning we needed structure. We needed order. God knew that we would need boundaries. God knew that we would need law. God also knew what our need for our own good was to be submissive to his authority. This is actually evidence. This is what I would call proofed out in the Garden of Eden. Remember this. Before the fall, Genesis chapter 2, sinless perfection, perfect environment. Blessing upon blessing, opulence everywhere. It's all for you. Except what? Except what? Genesis chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. In sinless perfection, there's still authority that is needed for us. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Remember, this is pre-fall. You shall not. You shall not. Now, now this, this is where we begin to pan back. What's the term? It's like wide angle. You know what I mean? And, and see the big picture. There seems to be a lot. And I know I'm, I'm reusing the same word. I don't know. T- there's, there's a lot of tension. There's craziness. Um, new words. Struggle. There's confusion. Look around us. There's hurt. There's heartache in our present world. And it's a lot more complicated than what? Just do whatever the government tells you to do. And it's a lot more complicated than just don't do anything that the government tells you to do. Something's bigger here. Something is, is bigger at play. God is revealing himself to mankind. He uses his word, the presence of his spirit, and you. God is revealing himself to the brokenness that surrounds us. He uses primarily his word, certainly the presence of his spirit, and what? And us. Like, this is as good as it gets. Sorry, gang. It's your job, it's my responsibility. So we ask the question, how are you? How are we together revealing God's great plan to a broken and a messed up and a fallen imperfect system of governing authorities that surround all of us? From the secularization of late modernity to the pervasive humanism. To, to the shouting, it's, it's your body, your choice. To hashtag Pride Month. To constant messaging that says what? Just, just expressive individual. You be you. Nobody ever tells you to be anything that you don't want to be. All the while, kind of stifling. And attempting to silence. Trying to shut 
the one holy, just God aside when he's the one who's given to us the breath to make it through another 24-hour period. The question is this. Are you angry? Are you the one that's, that's yelling and complaining and, and tweeting? Are you fussing and fuming and fighting? Or what? Or obeying, honoring, and praying. One of the last words, last letters, First Timothy, that Paul writes, he, he tells us, first of all, then I, I urge you, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. Thanksgivings? Be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and a quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God and our Savior. And I was convicted, I have to confess, this week by that very thought. The same day that I paid $4.99 to get gas, our president is yucking it up on Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, this is, this is hard for me. I'm struggling here a little bit. I'm, I'm like, this is hard for me. I'm not, I'm not honoring. I'm not, certainly not praying for and, and, and that response is my own sinfulness. And I say, Lord, forgive me. I, and I need to pray for President Biden and the First Lady Jill. I, I need to remember those that God has placed over us. Why? Because God is doing something and he doesn't need, okay? It doesn't matter who, who thinks that they have all the... God is revealing his greater plan for our good and his glory. And we have to be reminded, the world, the world is totally, totally blind. They are blinded. Here's an example. They're, they're referred to as, as magic mantras. So this is something that's being pushed at us. Becky Goddard Hill writes in an article recently, be a better you in 2022. I, I like the, the rhyming portion of it. And we all, how, how, how can we really do this? How do we be a better you in 2022? She writes, what, what we need to really have are positive statements that we refer to as affirmations. And, and she refers to this, and I quote, listen very specifically. She adds, I am. Affirmations are especially powerful. So whenever we speak to ourselves, initiating with these powerful words, I am. We are actually instilling positivity into our subconsciousness. But wait a minute. This is at some level, like, I am beautiful. I am powerful. This is, in a sense, this is what is being pushed from our schools to what? Sports psychology, from the classrooms to the halls of Congress. I am. Wait a minute. Don't I recall something? Isn't, isn't there someone else who is referred to as I am? 
When, when Moses is given a job, it's like totally beyond him. He's like, what do I say? What do I tell them? And God says, you tell them this. I am who I am sent you. By the way, boy, you take off your shoes because the ground that you're standing right now is holy ground. And, and there's this subtle kind of replacement. Unless your statement begins with, in Christ, I am. Or else you can use, I am a broken sinner in desperate need of a savior, and that savior is Jesus, then you're more than welcome. But the whole I am powerful, I am, I am, and, and as the world pushes, they don't realize that they're attempting to tread on, and it's not going to work. They're, they're attempting to extinguish, and it's not going to work. Th that type of thinking is what is being pushed at us, and that's what's so hard for us, telling you, you should believe this. Your identity is wrapped up in whatever you feel. You can be anything. You can do. You can act. Whatever it is to, to, to make you happy. And, and resonating in the back of us are these words that what? This is, this is art. This is the American dream here. It's about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And again, I'm not trying to knock. We are blessed. We are most blessed. Common graces abound. Freedoms are evident and enjoyed. But as Alistair Begg says, what well, we, we have to keep, we have to keep the main thing, the plain thing, and the plain thing, the main thing. The government cannot and will not save you. It's not going to come to your rescue. And that's where what? The church of Jesus Christ enters. The church is never a lobbying organization. It is an embassy of heaven. Remember where your home is. And that's where we are to live. With that thought that God is revealing his plan. And he is far more concerned. He is far more concerned about your holiness than he is about your happiness. And there's only one way that we are ever to be made holy. And it's to recognize that what? God is holy. We are not. And we put our faith and our trust in the one, the only one who died to rescue and redeem us. And he was the only one who could because he was the only one without sin. People will mock you and people will laugh at you and say, come on, son, get with the day, get with the time. That's old stuff. No. No, it's not. What do we do as we speak? We speak absolute truth. It is, it is offensive. What do we do as we speak absolute truth on how to live in, in a less than perfect society? Three things very quickly in closing. Number one, just, just seek to be an example by, by obeying. Be, be the best citizens that you can possibly be. Enough fussing and fuming and fighting we are to be examples to this world. White rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Yeah, yeah but, 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 but no. We strive to be the best citizens to what? Exemplify what obedience looks like. Secondly, we are to wisely and fairly pursue justice. Now, if there were one category, if there's one group of people that we need to speak up for, it is those who cannot speak for themselves, the unborn. The, the sanctity of human life. 
we, we must champion and we must speak up more than any other one, particularly what? As we are on the precipice of a massive, massive battle. And we have to be faithful in preserving the sanctity of life. Another area is the sacredness of marriage between a man and a woman. Not what the world tells us. We wisely, graciously, humbly pursue justice to speak up for that which God has ordained, which God has says what? It is good. It's very good, as we witnessed even yesterday right here. Thirdly, seek to bear some measure of responsibility. At some level, there's, there's action. There is what? There, we, have to, we have to put, you know, there's words. Put our feet to our words. Be faithful in prayer. B- b- gather your, your family together. Single moms, I pray for you. I pray that you would be bold to, to gather together and, 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 and draw your young ones and draw their attention to the one who saves and the hope that exists. Dads, gather your families. We, we certainly have been blessed with a, a privilege to vote. Yeah, but I, I don't have the time or the line's probably going to be long. We have very few little areas. Be faithful to, to vote. I think that's very important for us. You can talk to your senator. You can talk to your congressman. You can, you can write them. Yeah, but they, they never respond to my email. Just, just do what God is calling you to do. Let me, let me challenge you with this. How about run for office? How about rather complain like there's everybody out there. It's just all about themselves. How about, how about you? How about us gathering around to support, to say, I'm going to speak up and we're going to send someone out there. Sprinkled throughout, there are good and godly people and we need more of them. We need to be placing them in positions of authority and praying. Look how Joseph was placed by God in the middle of this corrupt, anti-God environment. And God just blessed him. He blessed him. And trust. Trust that God is revealing his plan. That you and I have wonderful privilege to have a little little tiny part of that. May, May we be shining example, the best citizens, the best examples of knowing that anyone who is an authority has been placed there by the one, the ultimate authority. And we demonstrate trust in his word and his perfect, perfect plan. Have hope in the work of God. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for this reminder from Scripture of how we are to live. And we just ask for you to continue to grant us the the needed wisdom, the right words, and the right tone. Forgive us if we have been, I know I have been, condemning or critical. And Father, I would ask that you would use us however you see fit and that we would be found faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.